The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Twenty-three hours away, boys and girls. Heck, less than that. 22 hours in like 56 minutes away from K-State and KU, the seventh-ranked team in the country. The Kansas Jayhawks will be arriving into Manhattan to take on your Cats, who have won two straight against top 25 opponents. Welcome, officially, to a Friday version of the game. I'm Mitch Fortner, and across the glass is Sage Williams. It's just us. Once again, Troy just moments ago called another Manhattan Boys basketball game in Dodge. Meanwhile, David G., I don't know what's wrong with him. He says he's sick, but this is like day number four. I mean, is anybody sick for more than three days anymore? I know the pandemic is going on, but I don't know. That guy can be a little flaky sometimes. Oh, that's a joke. Uh, He's for real. He's uh, not feeling too well. So hopefully we'll get him back next week, but hey. Since it's just me and Sage, excuse me, Sage and I, I went to school once upon a time. Since it's us, I'm dedicating most of the show to the game tomorrow. We'll have our staples, like number one song, Ask Us Anything, but we're going heavy K-State KU. Momentum has taken us there. And coming up later in the show, 525, I'm excited for this one. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Two years ago, John and I, along with Mason as well, you might remember the uh, old segment back in the day. If you're uh, new to the show, the old time I was really remember, it was uh, where in the world is Baylor Newell's ballot? Because he always was underrating the Baylor Bears. So we, we rode that out. Jesse Newell himself will finally answer the question. Where in the world is Baylor in Newell's Bout? And that's coming up at 525 at 440. A top 10 list. Haven't done one in a couple of weeks. The schedule's been weird. But coming up in a couple of segments, you will hear my top 10 list. My top 10 memories. My top 10 K-State KU basketball memories. And I hope you enjoy that as much as I enjoyed putting it together. We'll get the best of Bruce as he spoke earlier today with the media about the KU game. That's coming up in the next segment. But right now, this is not the time to let the, to take the foot off the guests if you're K-State men's basketball. Selfishly, I am absolutely ecstatic that I'm the PA announcer for the game tomorrow. Taking over that role, not much to uh, really be excited about last year, but now the ball's rolling. K-State has caught momentum that they haven't had, obviously, in three seasons. Two wins over top 25 opponents. They're now number 63 in the net ranking. And guess what? The Cats are showing up on the bubble. Joe Lenardi, about four hours ago, released an updated list of his bracketology. K-State is right now showing up as the uh, in the next four out. Now, that's not the first four out. That's not the first four in. But it's bubble action. 
their name is being recognized. And that's because they're showing up in the net ranking and for quad one victories. Quad one victories are $100 bills. The more they stack up, the more cash you have, the more you can spend, the more wealthy you feel, the more comfortable you feel. And if I could throw a little bit of a a little wrestling out there with this matchup against Kansas, you know, you might as well take this game, put a a briefcase above the above the court, turn it into a ladder match. And inside that briefcase is a quad one win, because that is what is on the line. A quad one win. It would give Kansas one because K-State is since they're the home team and KU would be on the road that puts K-State in the top 75. And that's a quad one win when you're on the road. Really, if you look at any team in the Big 12 and look at their quad one wins, it's their record in the Big 12 because everybody's in the top 65. Boy, if you want to talk about a great example, evidence of what makes the Big 12 tough, well, there you go. Everybody's a quad one type of team, especially when you're hosting a Big 12 opponent. But going back to what I was saying about kind of being selfish about this one, you know, when you beat two top 25 teams and the, and the fans are going nuts on social media about beating Texas on the road, you know, beating Texas Tech was one thing, a surprise. But we saw the student sections and we saw the crowd. It wasn't that full, right? Beating Texas and everybody's buzzing. Social media was all of a sudden it has turned around. That's the buzz you want if you're K-State because now you have created the environment. I got an email earlier today from somebody at K-State since I am the PA announcer, and I arrive an hour before the game. They're like, hey, heads up. Expecting a lot of students. You might want to arrive early, but you still might not get your usual spot because there's going to be a lot of folks lined up to get into this game. So you might have to park at the north end of the east lot. I'll be honest with you, I'm not excited about that. Parking all the way down there. It's a long walk. Don't want to be huffing and puffing when I get inside. No, but on seriousness, I'll, I'll take it if the fans are lined up hours ahead of time to get in for this game and try to watch the, watch the Cats try to knock off the number seven team in the country. But despite the two wins, it, it, to me it's still a must win. And it goes back to what we were saying last week. K-State is right now playing the third game in a four-game stretch. That, to me, is the hardest stretch of the season. But they're 2-0 and in that stretch, and that's a huge surprise after starting 0-4 in conference play. The Cats are healthy. Mike McGurl has been a huge spark. He's hit five out of seven threes in the last two games, coming off the bench, limited minutes, obviously. After last year, he was the guy. Now he's coming off the bench, but he's not doing it alone. And I like that... Mike McGurl no longer has all the weight on his shoulders. Mark Smith is taking some of that load off of him. And he's somebody that can do it because he's been in the game for such a long time. He is also a fifth-year senior. Mike's a sixth. But you know, Mark Smith has been around the game a long time, too. He's a grad transfer. So he's got that senior leadership along with Mike McGurl. You have the leadership Nigel Pack has responded from a great freshman year, and he's having a great sophomore year. You don't see the sophomore slump with Nigel Pack. You can maybe argue that that kind of uh, 
role has been taken on by Davion Bradford, but I'm not giving up on Davion Bradford. Marquise Noel hasn't been the exact score you had seen in the past, but man, down the stretch, Texas Tech in Texas, that dude has made some plays. He's getting the ball to playmakers in open space, knocking down some shots. A runner in the lane against Texas was knocked down by Nigel Pack. That was a huge shot. And Marquise Noel earned two free throws at the end of that Texas game after it looked like he just completely wiped out on the floor. But no, he got fouled. This is not the time to let up. Because I mentioned earlier exactly how wealthy the Big 12 is game in and game out. Everybody is a potential quad one victory that is the ultimate resume builder because it's amazing how in a week's time k-state has gone from well they're still respectable in the net rankings but they don't have that quad one win yet they don't have the resume builder yet all of a sudden they have two they're ranked 63rd and you can't ignore them anymore and that happened after two games where does k-state go after beating Texas and Texas Tech, I'm sorry, yeah, Texas and Texas Tech, to then beating Kansas, they win those three games. All of a sudden, you have a little bit of breathing room. Everything's a must-win at this point. You want the quad one wins, but Baylor is the next team ahead of you. Baylor's insanely good. They have tripped up a couple of times, but you don't count them out. Kansas is the top team in the country. I mean, you could argue the next two opponents for K-State are the top two teams in the Big 12. Right now, obviously, the Big 12 is wide open. Anybody can finish in the top two. But don't ignore the recent success of Baylor. And, and that's what's really keeping Baylor up there despite a couple of losses after starting the season undefeated. You don't count them out. But you beat Kansas. Maybe it's not so absolutely 100%, 1,000% necessary to beat the Baylor Bears. After you get past Baylor, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State. Ole Miss isn't great. Okay at best. Oklahoma State is beatable on the road. I mean, I'm sorry, that's a home game. And TCU is on the road. First of all, I also see those as must-win games. Because K-State slipped up losing two games. And if you're the Cats trying to claw your way back and make yourself noticeable in Joe Lenardi's eyes, which that is now happening, K-State showing up on the bubble, you can't slip up. That is a time you do not want to slip up because then you got Baylor again after the TCU game, and you don't want to lose any more home games if you possibly can. If the environment's there, you don't want to lose those home games, but they already lost one to TCU in a heartbreaker, and they lost one to Texas, but they got the revenge over Texas. That was big, too. Home games are a must-win if you're in this spot for K-State, if you're Bruce Weber. But beating Kansas, you know, things at Baylor exactly, the weight is not on your shoulders anymore. And that's my opinion. That is my opinion. And then after that, you know, it, it's it's tough game in and game out. Iowa State, West Virginia, another one against Oklahoma State, and then on the road against the Kansas Jayhawks. So it doesn't let up. But K-State has done what is totally necessary, and let's win all the quad four games. You lose one of those games, and it's kind of tough to overcome. It's not impossible, but it's tough. That's just doing business. But K-State's hungry. And right now, they're as hot as they have been in three years. So the Cats and KU, tomorrow, 
3 o'clock, Bramlage Coliseum. I've had so many people reach out to me trying to get some free tickets. That would normally work. Not saying I have connections, but it's not just like random people. It's like family. They're like, hey, remember that Christmas present I gave you back in 1997? Well, if you want to, you know, repay that favor, can you hook me up with some K-State KU men's basketball tickets? Sorry, I don't have any giveaway. Maybe next year. I doubt it. I doubt, that's not going to happen. Not next year. Not going to happen. I did give away those uh, two tickets for the uh, the Bowl Mania thing on ESPN. And they're going to the game. That's awesome. My parents are taking my other two tickets. Other than that, that's it. I'm expecting a full, loud, rowdy Bramlage Coliseum, and I am excited. Absolutely excited to have the opportunity to be able to be the piano announcer for that. And again, it's I'm selfish about that, but I'm so excited. This is, this is K-State's opportunity to show, once again, this, the two wins aren't 15 minutes. That's not the 15 minutes of fame, and they were hot for a couple of games. This is time to show that you belong, that you're consistent, and you're here to uh, save Bruce Weber's job. No doubt about that. Let's take our first time out. Still to come in the game, 525. Jesse Newell's going to answer the big question, where in the world is Baylor and Newell's ballot? Still have Mitch Palm coming up. 510, going to preview the Cats, KU. In Mitch Palm's words, we're breaking down the numbers. And he really went heavy this time. I keep saying he. It. The computer. Mitch Palm, the computer. Went heavy in the famous alumni section this time. A little bit of a who's who in there. But coming up next, the best of Bruce. He broke down the Jayhawks and also his thoughts on Mark Smith and the potential environment tomorrow in Bramlage Coliseum. That's next on the game. Okay, Big Steve. All right. Take it easy on the old Lincoln Park. I think I about lost my voice in that first segment. I'm not the most – I'm not the l- – the most long-winded talker. You know? feel like the old pipes was getting weak here for just a second. Still to come on the game, Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star, KU Beat Rider. He's at 525. Mitch Palm at 510. My top 10 list. And it might be my best one yet. It might be. And that's coming up in the next segment. But, um, oh, Bruce Weber. That guy, he can be he can be long-winded sometimes, certainly with his answers, but boy, does he have a few things to say about this ball game. He did catch up with the media earlier today, and I like to call this the best of Bruce. He was asked about the production of Mark Smith on well, the game coming up in tomorrow, and you know what we could see out of the environment with this K-State KU game. Here is the best of Bruce from earlier today. You knew that he could score. You knew he could rebound some leadership there. What all has he meant to your team this season? The biggest thing is his steps, just getting a, a, for him a better feel of the game, you know, understanding when to go, when not to, you know, guys want to go every time and you can't do that. And I, I thought the, the last few weeks just playing at a better pace, uh, better with better poise, 
and, and, and taking what the game gives him. The big thing then, too, he wants to win. He's taking it on himself to, you know, be a little more vocal leader, talking to our guys, helping our guys. We've talked, and he, he wants a coach down the road. Obviously, everyone wants to play for a while, and that's great. you got dreams and goals, but he wants a coach. And I told him that this is a chance to a little bit of an internship. You know, as a player, the guy, you know, Coach Southwell, Chester Fraser, you know, all through the years to Jarence Howard, guys that, you know, I've had, Matt Painter, Conzo Martin, you know, they use their time as players to learn the game, to uh, study the game, to be leaders, to, you know, be involved in the recruiting, all those things. So, you know, Mark's taking advantage of it. And, you know, the other thing, I just kind of joke with them back in December, this is it. They're not giving you another COVID year. You got to make the most of it and uh, be a appreciates the opportunity and you know just happy for him that he's really blended in and and been a really good teammate and above and beyond all the other stuff I think that's been his best attribute so far it's been a while since you guys have uh you know had a, a max max crowd at Bramwich you got a little taste when the students came out from Marquette this year I'm just wondering if, if a big crowd does turn out tomorrow how much will that help you well I hope it helps us and doesn't hinder us you know I think sometimes I thought that First time against Marquette, you know, we were trying to make, uh, you know, the home run play, the big play, and and instead of the simple play, you know, that, you know, that's the big thing. We got to keep our approach to game just like the ones we've just done in, in, in the last few games uh, that we just finished and be solid, discipline, toughness, uh, sharing the ball, making the simple basketball play. That's the way you're going to win. You know, one of the things we had that program come in here and, and the guy kept telling them, you don't get up for big games. Your habits and your discipline show up in big games. And and that's, you know, that's, I think it's going to be really important tomorrow. And you obviously survived with super small ball against Texas. Is that an option against Kansas or with their front court, do you have to go a little bigger? You know, at times they go small too. You know, you're going to have that opportunity and, you know, Mark Smith can guard a lot of people. I'm not sure I want to put him on McCormick for 40 minutes, but uh, we've put him on uh, Williams. We've put him on, you know, the Texas bigger guys. So, you know, here and there you can maybe do it, but, you know, obviously you're going to, our bigs, it would be nice if our bigs kind of give us a little more production. And I, and I, to me, it's going to be playing great defense. I, I think that's the biggest thing. They, we talked yesterday, it's moving your feet, giving us a great effort on the defensive end and hopefully getting a couple rebounds, a, a bonus basket or two here and make a couple free throws. It would be positive for us. And last one for me, do you think the transfers are prepared for what the, the energy that comes along with this rivalry or have you, you helped them understand that at all? I think we got to be careful, uh, you know, not making it bigger than it is. You know, we just played two really good teams. Texas Tech beat Kansas. You know, it's a big game, but you got to you got to play the game the right way. And again, you can't we can't you know, it's it's a big game. I understand that. But and but we also got to approach it the same way. Our preparation has got to be good. Our scouting has got to be good. We got to be locked in all that stuff. Our, our understanding that, you know, it's the simple play, the good basketball play that that's going to help us win and the discipline and toughness on the defensive end. And then to play hard, you know, getting on the floor, you know, the loose balls, you, Oklahoma, you know, you, you watch that one, they Hills on the floor, got a steep, you know, got a deflection, got a, a floor, loose ball, dished it to somebody, went down the other end, got a layup and a hand one and, you know, gave them a chance. You know, it's just, uh, Kansas made the big shot down the stretch, but you know, those are the things that are important. Good morning, coach. I guess a couple of questions here real quick. What, what do you see in terms of the improvement 
with Ochai and, and Brown more than anything else. And then what about Remy Martin? Nobody's talked about him. I know he's been injured a little bit, but he, I'm, I'm going to guess you would tell me that he brings a little different dynamic to the table if he's available to go. Yeah, I think if they can get him cooking like he's able of, you know, it would add a whole other dimension to their team because, you know, we've seen him. We, you know, we faced him years ago, you know, out in Vegas. And, uh, you know, we watched him play against Kansas and and, and Allen and, and play unbelievable. And, uh, you know, so he could – I think, again, he's figuring out – their system and what they want, when he should go, when he shouldn't. And, uh, and, and then the, the, the discipline part on the defensive end, the switching, all the stuff they do. But, you know, I, I, those other two are just playing, you know, like seniors, like older guys should. They uh, very, very confident. Uh, they play off each other. I, I you know, when you shoot 47, 50 from three, yeah, that's that's like that's impressive. We don't we got guys that don't make fifty on layups. So, but he gets good shots and he's shooting with a lot of confidence. And you know, for him, the you know Oklahoma no points in the you know what first thirty minutes, thirty two minutes, and then get you know down the stretch make big shots for them. Uh, really important. And Christian Braun just seems to make the big play at the right time. Uh, you know, he just he, he unbelievable, crafty, smart got you know he's bigger than you you really realize he's probably six seven or so uh can guard a lot of spots switches on the, you know their defense he always great on scouting report um you know he's they both just gotten better and better there's no doubt about it and, and you know i i love it it's it's you know we talk about the portal and that but those guys are pretty impressive that they've been there and they they've done what they're supposed to that's what college basketball I, did a bunch of media stuff, this thing, you know, with the new portal, does Barry Brown and Dean Dean Wade and Cam Stokes, do they have the careers that they, you know, have because they they stayed here and improved just like those guys have done at Kansas. It's it's the good part of college basketball that, you know, I that I appreciate and I hope other people appreciate. Do you feel that COVID fog still or are you starting to feel a lot better? I, I you know, the last two days, I, I actually have started to feel a little better. Um, and, you know, I, I still get tired. I, I, I did. I went to bed at midnight, 1215 last night watching film. But, um, you know, I, I uh, it, it's still it's funny. And I've talked to Wyatt about it, like every, and Coach Lowry's going through every day. It's like a little different symptom comes up that, you know, you're sneezing one day and the next day you got a throat. And then the next day you, you're tired. And it's just it's an interesting uh, virus, that's for sure. And but I've read some articles that they say about three weeks, and I'm getting I'm on uh, day 18 or 19 now. So I'm hoping that I'm I'm getting to the to the end. That's the best of Bruce here on the game, and glad to hear that Coach Weber is feeling better. And another thing you brought up there was about the crowd and hoping it doesn't hinder this team. I'm kind of a believer in it could potentially hinder them a little bit. You know, they're going to be nervous. It's K-State who's going to be nervous to play in front of this big crowd, not Kansas. These guys are used to it, especially like Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown. Those guys have been around for a long time. They've played in front of hostile environments. And uh, Mike McGurl has seen this before. Maybe Mark Smith when he was at Missouri. Maybe-ish, but I – Maybe, maybe on ish. Other than that, 
none of these guys have witnessed a Bramlage crowd like they're going to see tomorrow afternoon. When we come back, I'm excited for it. My new top 10 list, and it has to do with the K-State-KU rivalry next on The Game. Mitch Fortner back with you with the game on K-Man. Sage Williams running the show today. Sage, uh, what did you say the high for tomorrow is? <laughs> for tomorrow, the high is 48. Well, I ask because, you know, fans are going to be students I mean, waiting out in line, thousands of them. Well, they'll want coats, at least a yeah, jacket. Yeah. Well, I, the, you know, another reason why I asked, I remember back in the day, standing in line for hours for a game and it was cold it was like 15 degrees and it was i don't remember it being too windy which really saved all of us but man was it cold that day and that's actually coming up here in the top five here in just a moment my top five i'm sorry top 10 top five where'd that come from i think that's an old bit top 10 k-state basketball memories versus the kansas jayhawks did did some uh did a deep dive on this rivalry that goes very far back. I mean, this rivalry goes all the way back to the good year of 1907. And tomorrow in Bramlage Coliseum will be the 296th all-time meeting, which K leads the series 201-94. Yeah, it's been some tough sledding once in a while. As a matter of fact, K-State is going to enter this contest five-game losing streak to the Jayhawks. But here we go, my top 10 list, K-State basketball memories versus the Kansas Jayhawks. Number 10. Number 10, we're going back to the great year of 1979. Disco was on its way out, and so was Tim Owens, the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. I think he survived like another year. But the largest win K-State has had against the Kansas Jayhawks was on January 20th of 1979 with K-State beating KU by 27 points. 96 to 69 was the final. Tim Owens, loser. He's the only KU coach to ever be fired. And the Cats took care of him that day. Number nine. Number nine, we went from the largest deficit for the uh, Jayhawks to the least amount of scores, uh, least amount of points they've ever scored. We go back to February 2nd of 1917. And K-State that day beat KU 38-9. That's not a football score. That's a basketball score. That is the only game in the entire series history that either team failed to score double digits. And KU did that back in 1917. Number eight. Number eight, and I promise this is the last one that we're going way, 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 way back for. Number eight takes us to February 28th of 1919. And that's when K-State beat KU 31-18 that day to take control of the series 18-17. Yes, at one point, K-State did lead the all-time series. But unfortunately, you do have to go back like 100 years. And by the way, I do want to mention as well, so back then, K-State and KU played each other four times instead of twice. And that year, K-State went 4-0 and against the old Kansas Jayhawks. All right, now this is going to get fun. 
Number seven. Number seven. It goes back to the the quick story I was telling you about when I stood in line for hours and hours and hours to get into a get into a K State KU game, but I wasn't just in line for the game. The Wabash Cannonball. It is Kansas State's anthem of resiliency. The only piece of sheet music saved from a campus fire four decades ago represents their underdog status. And that's what the Wildcats are against number two Kansas tonight. But this underdog has some fight. College game day in Manhattan. The Little Apple, which is the Big 12's Big Apple tonight. I arrived to Bramlage back on that day in uh, 2010. That was January 30th to be exact. Number two, KU in town to take on 13th-ranked Kansas. Got to Bramlage at 3.15 in the morning. They did not open the parking lot until 6. And so I stood outside for that. And I, I, I wasn't a student, but I had a student ticket. So I, I, I wasn't a part of it. was like a group system back then. So you had to like go register your group, and they gave you a number, and you had to stay in that line and like every 30 minutes – Somebody from K-State went around to each group and they called out the number. You had to say you're there or else you lose your spot. So I was a part of that group with some friends from high school. But as a student, and since I wasn't an original part of that group, I had to go get in a line of those folks that didn't have a group. And if you didn't get there early, you did not get into the game. And so I was there early and I was like the 10th person in line. So I got in. Well, it was actually, it was in question. Because I got into college game day, and I was there, fourth row. It was a fun time. I remember they also let us in like two hours before game day started. So everybody had to wait two hours before the show started. The show was an hour. And then the show ends. Everybody goes back out in line for another seven hours or something like that. Maybe it wasn't that long. I don't remember the time the game tipped off, but it was a long time. And then when it's time to get into the game, instead of having a student ID, I just take my regular ID out. The first lady that was there to scan my ticket did not let me in. And I was freaking out. I was like, no, this cannot happen. So I went to the other doors. Gentleman standing there. Scans my ticket. No issue. Let's me in. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I was so nervous. Cat's lost. But uh, that was a, if I remember correctly, that was an overtime game. Man, was it dramatic. There was like 20 lead changes. In that game, it was, I to this day, I know K-State lost, but that was one of the most insane, entertaining games I think I've ever seen in person. Let's go to number six. Ah, crap. Let's try this again. Number six. Number six takes us back to the 2014 game, and K-State beat number seven, Kansas, in overtime, another OT game. This time, K- K-State won 85-82, but that one was also scary because the Cats, it looked like they were going to cruise to a comfortable win. Up nine, like a minute and a half to go. And they blow the lead. KU comes back. It's like what we saw two days ago with the K-State women. KU starts pressing, and they're forcing turnovers, and they're hitting shots. Well, they tie the game to go to overtime, and luckily the Cats got it done. Thanks to some good shooting on the night, Marcus Foster finished with 20 points, and K-State shot 49% from the floor. Number five. Oh, number five, it takes us to the next year. I take a time. I I don't want the ball in Edwards' hands. Nino Williams open. Green's hand. That could be the dagger. 
And time will run out on the Jayhawks for Seth. Walks down to congratulate Bruce Weber. And here they come, folks. Here they come. A Manhattan Storm. Manhattan Storm was right. Because the fans stormed the court and there was no security ready to catch him. If you remember that game, Cats won by seven, seventy to sixty-three, and that was a that was a rough year because K State with that win went to fourteen and fifteen. Twenty points off the bench from Nigel Johnson and Nino Williams. I still remember the shot to this day, and that was a shot last year, like those mid-range Jays from sixteen feet. That was his shot, and he knocked down the clincher to win it. And I remember from that game as well. I mean, K-State just absolutely played their asses off. A fantastic effort from start to finish, 100% every play. And then the next game, they beat number 12, Iowa State. But also, you might remember when the fans stormed the field or stormed the court, Bruce Weber and Bill Self were smashed against the scores table. And that turned into a whole deal, like fans and... I, I remember here on the show, we were really upset with the lack of security, but I, I, don't, I don't know the whole story why that didn't happen. I'm sure they weren't expecting the win. Maybe they weren't planning on it because K-State was having such a rough year. Let's go to number four. Number four. I'm sure we all remember this one, right? To the line. Four-point lead, Kansas State. Nine seconds to play. Here comes Kansas in a hurry. Russell Robinson. No fouls for K-State. Chalmers, long three. In and out. Kansas State has the ball. Kansas State has won it. I was not able to watch this game, unfortunately. I was at, I was in, used to be in this group called Leo's Club. I was at a thing for that in Salina. But I remember hearing about the final score. The Cats shot KU in Allen Fieldhouse. 59-55, Clint Stewart, 15 points. Uh, what was cool about Clint Stewart? He got to be there for the win in Allen Fieldhouse, and he was a, he was a senior on that team in 08. Uh, but with that win, K-State ended its longest drought against KU ever of 31 straight losses. Their last win was in Lawrence before that in 1994, and K-State was able to end that stretch in, in K-State, that was a great defensive game. The Cats held KU to 32% shooting. Number three. Oh, number three. I was in Concordia at the time at Cloud County watching this game on the old couch. And that was in 2011 when K-State beat number one Kansas on Valentine's Day, 84-68. It was a butt kicking. Jacob Pullen goes th- for 38 points. And from the free throw line, he was great as well. 15 of 19 from the free throw line. He was crushing three-pointers. But what also stood out to me watching the game at at my home at the time was the interview afterwards with Holly Rowe. Kansas has come back from big leads in this building, and they pulled within five right after halftime. But how did you prevent them from closing the door? We just wanted to stay the course. You know, at the the locker room, that's all we talked about was we knew they were going to make a run. We just... So I end it there because it's not really about what was being said. You could hear the guy yelling in the background. You might recall, if you watched the game at home, was an employee of ESPN, kind of acting like a security guard or whatever, was pushing K-State fans because there was one fan that got behind Holly and Jacob Pullen and just go, yeah, yeah, just cheering, but he wasn't touching him or anything. And here comes a guy from the left pushes him, and the guy that was yelling just kind of flings off to the northeast. 
And then another fan comes in like, hey, don't be pushing people. And then that guy gets pushed. That always stood out to me about that one. And by the way, I, I had a girlfriend at the time. We had only been together for a couple of weeks. And I was like, hey, come over and watch the game with me. So we do. Well, she fell asleep. And at that point, I was like, yeah, this is going to work. <laughs> this is not going to work out at all. And now we're getting into a couple of moments I'm sure you can predict. Number two. I'll let the audio tell you all about it. That's a tough crowd when the manager's getting booed. He was the only guy out there. Got the steal. Man. Exclamation point right there for Cartier Yada. I was sitting with the media. And I, I had the best backdrop that anybody could have for that dunk from Cartier Jada. So, I mean, it's under a minute to go, right? And, and Cartier gets that steal near, near sideline right in front of the scorer's table, and he takes off in that windmill dunk. And I was sitting right next to John Kurtz, but I'm looking to the southeast. So I'm in the northwest, and I'm looking to the southeast. So I got a perfect backdrop in the student section. Cartier, windmill dunk. The place goes just totally bananas. The the student section was about to just fall out of their the whole state, like just spill out on the floor. They're going just so crazy. And John Kurtz like faints into my arms. It was insane. Like I that that just a single highlight. Like I remember when um was oh gosh, who was it in the 08 game? Was it Bill Walker? Bill Walker had the dunk that sealed the deal. And Cartier Jada did steal that honor of having the highlight play against the Kansas Jayhawks. But you know where we're going. Number one. Number one. Ended that streak. The final seconds click off. The streak is dead. The Wildcats win it. Man, number 24 K-State ends the streak and beats the Jayhawks, the number two team in the country in Bramlage, 84-75. I remember in animal science class, I was a junior in high school, Mr. Bottom Bluss comes in and writes down the day, the, the day of, he predicted K-State beats KU. Writes it down, I popped, KU fans are like, no, no way, it's not going to happen, going to beat you again. No, nah, it didn't happen. That, that, that losing streak went back to 1983. And the Cats finally get it done. And it, it was Bill Walker that had the, the dunk that kind of was the final nail in the coffin. But Michael Beasley goes for 25 points. Jacob Pullen, the freshman, in a way kind of, I wouldn't say steal the show, but he definitely gained a lot of spotlight with that game. Knew you had something special with Jacob Pullen scoring 20 points. And I mentioned him earlier, Clint Stewart. Clint Stewart had 11, and he was a part of not only the 06 team that beat Kansas and Lawrence, but he's a part of the team that ended the streak in Bramwich Coliseum, taking down the Jayhawks in uh, in Bramwich Coliseum. In those days, if you're a cat and you beat KU twice, that's a miracle. But he was a part of that team that ended the drought at home against KU when the doors opened at Bramwich Coliseum. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed putting that together. Hour two of the game coming up here in a matter of moments. Mitch Palm is coming up. My interview with Jesse Newell, KU beat writer from the Kansas City Star, number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything. 
It is all coming up on the other side for a local news break. The game on K-Man.